Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week, we're trying something a little bit different. Normally, these conversations are about your internal journey, right? So the individual journey toward learning growth and unlocking your greatest potential. But because we are coming up to Valentine's Day, and also because today is a full moon in Leo, I thought it would be a really nice and appropriate time of year to veer off course a little bit and do an episode on relationships. (laughs) And I think the reason why I haven't previously done an episode on relationships is because I don't really consider myself a relationship expert. I more so consider myself a student of relationships and a person who's really interested in them and has spent a lot of my life trying to learn how to do them better from what I was taught when I was younger. It's actually been a big part of my journey towards adulthood over the past 10 years or so is learning how to become really good and healthy and supportive and also have boundaries and love myself within the confines of a relationship. And so I thought today that I would do a relationship episode but preface it by saying that what I'm sharing with you are my hard-won extensive learnings. (laughs) It's the mistakes that I've made. It's the assumptions that have been wrong. It's the strategies that I've taken that haven't been right in relationships. And then the learnings, actually the truth of what actually does work in relationships. So the TLDR here is even if I'm not currently perfect in relationships, I'm a lot better, a lot, a lot, a lot better than how I used to be. Hopefully this will give you some fodder for thought during this amazing, beautiful season of coupling, intimacy, and being with another person. Throughout this episode, I'm going to share my five biggest relationship learnings. The first one that I'm going to start with is the first one I really learned when I was trying to figure out relationships seven years ago when I was recently divorced. It was early 2016. I was 31 years old. And I realized that I'd had all these dysfunctional relationships over the past decade of my life. So I'd been in a four-year relationship, a three-year relationship, a two-year relationship, tons and tons of relationships since I was 18 or 19 years old. And I'd always blamed the other person for it not working out. And at this moment in time, I realized that it wasn't just the other person. It was actually probably more me in all these instances where my relationship hadn't worked out. And I picked up this book called Getting the Love You Want. And I had this insane realization, which is the premise of the book. And that was that relationships are always 100% about healing our past wounds. I had never realized that before. And obviously today, it all seems so obvious, especially for people who are really invested in their personal growth and development. But at the time, I hadn't really thought about that before. 
I didn't have a conscious awareness that all of my motivations, decisions, emotions that were coming up in these relationships really had to do with me recreating these old childhood dynamics and trying to find this sort of ideal parent-caretaker relationship that I had never had before. And as Freud described it, we are all crying babies who are pining after parental love. And the thing is, there's actually nothing wrong with that, right? It's normal. We all have grown up to learn what love looks like from our families of origin. And then we make the assumption that that's the way love operates in the adult universe as well. So while this is all extremely normal and natural, where it was getting me into trouble was that I didn't have an awareness of it. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't explored those childhood wounds fully and appropriately, and so I wasn't understanding that they were what was fueling my desires, motivations, and reactions in all these new dynamics I was creating. And it wasn't just romantic relationships, it was with friendships as well. For example, I was raised by a parent who was very much the child in the relationship, so I was very much parentified as a young person, where I felt very wholly responsible for my mother's happiness, her well-being. I felt like her emotional confidant and that it was my job to make sure that she was doing well, that she was okay. I centered her needs, emotional and physical, at the core of our relationship. And it was only if I did that, that our relationship would be successful. So then as an adult, I naturally chose people for whom I had to do the exact same thing, where they very much expected me to center their needs at the core of our relationship. And the role that I played was as their confidant, their support system, their cheerleader. I was always giving so much more than I was receiving. And I would give and give and do things that I didn't even really want to do in the hopes that they would love me back and treat me the same way that I was treating them. So there you see, I was trying to heal this childhood wound where I was putting myself in the exact same situation as I had been in the past, but hoping this time for a different outcome. And when that never happened, I would become really upset about it. And now it's okay because when I start to do this pattern in my current relationships, whether with friends or with my husband, I'm able to notice that I'm doing it and to not be angry at them, but rather to put up boundaries for myself. I think, okay, this is my pattern where I give so much love, hoping that it will all be given back to me instead of just really clearly asking for what I want from the other person. It's like I'm trying to give them everything that they're not even asking for in hopes they'll give me everything that I'm not asking for, when really the right way to do it is just to say that I have needs and know that those will be met. And this was such a cool realization because it made me feel so much more sane I'd always wondered why I was so inflammatory and dysfunctional in relationships. And to be able to say, you know what? This is not me. This is what I learned when I was an incredibly impressionable child, where I was soaking up all these dynamics that my mother was putting herself in and thinking that those were true. 
but it's not me. It's just been a part of my life. And now I can consciously choose to decide a new way of being in relationship with other people. So now I want to encourage you to think about what dynamics you grew up with. For example, maybe you grew up in a house where there was a lot of yelling and a lot of conflict, but it was always done with love and then quickly forgotten about later on. So perhaps now you have that sort of conflict-driven energy that you bring into your closest relationships that other people may not like. Or perhaps as a child, you were praised for being quiet and easy and not making a fuss. And so now it's really hard for you to articulate your own needs in relationships. Or perhaps you were disappointed by a caretaker in life in a really significant and meaningful way. And so now it's really hard for you to trust that other people aren't just going to get up and leave you too. So now with this knowledge, what I really want to say to you is that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing broken about you. It's just that maybe you learned a specific way of doing things that is no longer working for you today, but take heart because you can always choose in this very moment a way of doing it differently. Okay, so that's the first most important thing that I learned in my past 10 years of trying to do relationships better. And the second thing is that vulnerability is not a weakness. And you have to give people the chance to love you unconditionally. So I'll just say that one more time. Vulnerability is not weakness. In fact, vulnerability is actually the essential ingredient to a truly intimate relationship or friendship. We can't get close to someone without making ourselves vulnerable and showing those tender, soft parts of ourselves that we don't often show to other people. It's such a scary thing to be seen, to really, really be seen by another person. And that's letting that other person see all sides of you your fears, your insecurities, the times when you've really messed up, the things you're most ashamed and embarrassed about. And the true relationships will hold that space for you and accept you and love you and still think really highly of you in spite of all these things that you are personally ashamed of. There's this beautiful James Baldwin quote that my really good friend Tessa shared with me as we were talking about this topic, and I think we'll probably post it to the Instagram this week. And the quote goes, the longer I live, the more deeply I learn that love, whether we call it friendship or family or romance, is the work of mirroring and magnifying each other's light. And I think that that's so true here. Because that vulnerability, that being seen, is all part and parcel of mirroring and magnifying each other's light. In relationship, you can take all these supposedly dark things about this other person, things that they're carrying with them as shadows, heaviness, things that they feel really badly about, and you can look at them and infuse them with light and love and turn them into something really beautiful. So as an example, when I was 17, I was really stupidly driving my car without car insurance. Maybe I was 18, something like that. But anyway, I was doing this really dumb thing and I rear-ended someone else. And so of course, because I didn't have insurance, the person whose car I hit, 
their insurance company, which was Geico, had to pay for the repairs. And so then Geico told me that I owed them $12,000, which was a huge, insanely out of reach amount of money for like 15 years, even after this for me. I mean, there's no way I ever would have been able to pay this. There was no one who I could borrow money from. There was no one to help me. And I didn't have maturity or sense of accountability to deal with this myself. So I just pushed it away. I went to college. I ignored it. I moved to New York. I ignored all the bills I got from Geico's lawyers telling me that I owed the money, but it hung around me. It really was just this overwhelming burden. And then after a while, I think they stopped sending me letters because it had been so long. And for Geico, like $12,000 is like a drop in the bucket. And I forgot about it. And then when I went to go buy my house this past summer, then it came up as a bill I owed and I had completely forgotten about it. So I wound up paying it, paying the interest. And I told Dev about it because he and I were doing the mortgage together. It was like this big shameful secret that I told him where I was so worried about what he was going to think about me. And I've had many moments like this with him where I've told him these deep, dark parts of my history and my background. And while I'm telling him, I have this huge anxiety that he's not going to love me anymore. And every single time, no matter how crazy it is, the thing that I'm telling him He's always met me with so much empathy and understanding, and he reminds me so much of that James Baldwin quote that I just read, where he is mirroring and magnifying my light, even with these dark, embarrassing, shameful, shadowy things. And in that moment when I was really vulnerable with him, and in all those previous moments, they really stand out in my mind as times that made our relationship grow deeper and even closer, they were actually accelerators to our intimacy, not barriers to it. And this learning about the power of vulnerability has been so important in all of my relationships now, my friendships, where I feel like I just want to be my most honest self with people, in my writing, where I'm deeply vulnerable, And it's really helped me to just accept who I am and be who I am and sort of say, you know, take it or leave it. And I think that the people who are really meant to be in my life will make the choice that they accept all those parts of me. And I really strive to do the same with the people who I love as well. So as you're moving forward with your own relationships, whether platonic or romantic, I want to encourage you to let yourself be seen more than you think is okay ask for help more than you feel comfortable doing, share with people when you feel low or down, and let people see you at your worst. Let vulnerability deepen your relationships and allow yourself to be unconditionally loved by others. Okay, so now I'll share the third thing that I've learned in my study and fascination with relationships And that is that there are different types of relationships for different points in time of your life. And all of them are valid and all of them are great, but values-based relationships are the ones that trump all. Those are the ones that will last. For example, you might have an interest-based relationship where your relationship is very much about doing the same things. And maybe those same things are going to parties and bars and hanging out with the same group of friends, 
or it's rock climbing and exercising together or knitting or making movies together, whatever it is. There are these relationships that involve two people doing the same types of things, living the same type of lifestyle. And these relationships are really special and wonderful, but as the circumstances of our lives inevitably change, perhaps you have a big group of friends that you all work with, but then you move on to different jobs over the course of three or four years, or you have a group of friends who you all move to the same city after college together, hang out together, but then you start growing up in different ways and becoming different people, whatever it is, it's acknowledging that these friendships are interest-based ones. It's okay that they fade away if your interests are changing. It's natural because the base of them isn't really about your one-on-one deeper foundational connection as humans. It's about your enjoyment of doing the same things or circumstantially being in the same environment. As another example, there are also the types of relationships that are based on a long history together. Childhood best friends, high school best friends, people who have known each other for years and years, maybe even decades. There's something really powerful about these relationships because this other person has known you for so long. They've seen you through all these ups and downs, all these different identities. And so in a way, they really do know the core you because they've seen so many different iterations of you. And what makes these relationships so beautiful, which is the depth, the history, the past experiences you two share, those same qualities can also really hinder and hold back these relationships too, because you're so used to seeing this person in a specific way. You have so many data points from the past that can often be hard to see them as they really truly are as a different person in the present moment. And so just as is true with interest-based relationships, know that these relationships serve a certain purpose and that purpose is really beautiful, but it's important not to expect any more out of them. The people for with whom you have long history-based relationships, they may not understand the choices you're making in your life right now. They may not be able to connect with all the important things that you have going on in your mind at this present moment. But that's actually okay, because that's actually not their purpose. It's not why they exist. And finally, the third type of relationship that I want to talk about are values-based relationships. This is when you and the other person are pointing in the same direction. You prioritize the same things. You value the same things. Your reason for being here on this planet is understood and in alignment with this other person. And that is the best. It's the best of these three relationships. Whether we're talking about friendships or romantic relationships, these values-based relationships are soulmate level connections. And the important thing here is to make sure that the closest people in your life, so your best friend and your partner, that those are values-based relationships. I once had a former best friend who was just on this years-long tear of dating men who were married, and it became abundantly clear in that years-long period that we did not have a values-based friendship, even though our friendship was a long history one and an activities-based one. We had been friends for over a decade, but that still wasn't enough to keep us going strong. So we had a big falling out. We didn't talk for a long time. She asked to reconnect 
many, many times over the years, but I knew that our friendship had been one that was long history. It had also been interest-based. We liked doing the same things. I was happy to be her sidekick and tag along whatever she wanted to do. But then as I stopped having the same interests as her, there was nothing really left for us besides that long history. And for me, that schism and values between us was just too much. So know that for those closest and deepest relationships, you need that values alignment. And you kind of have to work at it sometimes, right? It's not always going to be easy. I think about my relationship with Dev, where now we've been together for about five years. And in that time, we have grown and changed so much as individuals. Neither of us have the same job that we had when we first met. We don't even work in the same industries as when we first met. Everything is new. Everything is different. And as we've been reinventing who we each independently are, we've seen that our values have come apart. We've had to force them back together. They've come apart and we felt a lot of distance between us. And it's taken really intentional work to talk about what it is that we prioritize and care about more than anything in the world and to make sure that we both feel strongly the same way. Are we people who put our career before our relationship or vice versa? Are we people who prioritize meaning and impact over success? Are we people who, when things get tough, we roll up our sleeves and we tackle them together? Or do we intentionally choose to ignore them, ignore those issues together? These have all been conversations between us about the way we want to approach life and what we prioritize. And he and I have not always been on the same page, but we put the effort into trying to make sure that we can at least see each other's perspectives and then work our way towards building more understanding and more alignment. So think about all the closest relationships that you have in your life. Are they interest-based? Are they long history relationships? Or are they values-based relationships? And as you start to categorize all these dynamics that you have in your life, start to think about what it is that you can reasonably expect from each person. And then for the two or three closest, closest people in your life, ask yourself, do I have a values-based relationship with them? And if not, what do I need to change? Okay, so now number four. The fourth most important thing I learned over the past decade of trying to figure out this relationship stuff is that communication is an essential skill. And not only is it so foundationally important in relationships, but also very few of us know how to do it well. Most of us have a lot of limitations around what we were taught about communicating when we were growing up, and we've just continued those skills onward. We haven't really put the effort in to improve our communication skills, and by communicating, I mean expressing what you need, giving feedback, and listening. Really, really empathetically, deeply listening. So my point here is that if you want to have healthy relationships, you have to learn how to communicate. And I have found this to not only be true with my friendships, my romantic relationships, but especially at work as well, where all this investment that I did in learning how to communicate well, to be heard and to listen, paid off so much when it came to my success in the workplace. Communication really is everything. It is the oil that lubricates our relationships. And it's totally crazy that none of us are taught how to effectively communicate in all the 12 
plus years of school that we do. Isn't that completely insane that we need the skill so badly to do well in the world, but no one's actually teaching us how to do it? If I were in charge of school systems, I would make every kid read two books. The first is Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Goldsmith. And the second is called Crucial Conversations. And I will link to both in the show notes. I also might throw in Radical Candor there just for good measure. But really those first two, Nonviolent Communication and Crucial Conversations, are so good in just explaining how to talk to another person. And then as far as the skill of listening is concerned, then I think everyone should read this book, Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks that I mentioned earlier. It was the first real relationship self-help book that I'd ever read. And I still think about it all the time, even though I've read so many more. I come back to the teachings in that book over and over again. So again, I'll link to all this in the show notes, but this is really it. This is the work to enable healthy, beautiful relationships. We all must learn to be the best communicators that we can be. Okay, so finally, now we have arrived at learning number five, the fifth and final thing that I've learned, and that is that the best relationships bring out the best in you and vice versa. So the best relationships, you bring out the best in other people. And to me, what this means is really about assuming best intentions. So obviously, no matter how great we are at communicating and how many books we read, there are always going to be snafus and mix-ups when two people are trying to move through the world together, whether it's a friendship, a work relationship, or a romantic relationship. We are all going to be misinterpreted and misunderstood by other people. It's natural. It happens all the time. And so the key here is when those things happen, we cannot assume the worst. We have to assume best intentions. We have to assume that there's a good reason why the person chose to do the thing that they did. And also that most likely it has nothing to do with us. It's about them. So imagine, for instance, that your friend completely flaked on you for a dinner that you had planned. And you could be really upset at them and think that they're selfish and that this means that they don't respect you or respect your time. And while that may be true, it's not helpful to the relationship to jump to that conclusion. What you have to do is assume that there's a good reason for why they did the thing they did. You have to assume the best. And so you ask them, hey, help me understand what's going on with you. And then you may find out that their grandmother just died. And that's why, right? This type of graciousness, generosity, and spirit of kindness when dealing with other people it goes such a long way in creating healthy relationships because the goal isn't to critique or even punish the other person, but rather the goal becomes to understand where they're coming from. And of course, in return for you to be understood as well. But it starts with the way that you approach any situation. It starts when you can assume the best intentions in the people around you. And of course, I want to caveat this by saying that there are lots of jerks in the world. <laughs> there are a lot of narcissists and not very nice people who may not always have your best intentions at heart. So I want to reserve this rule for people who have earned your trust over time, people who you know love you and care about you and for the most part treat you well. 
And so when they do make a mistake or they accidentally slip up or act out of character, then first assume that there is something going on. And it's not that they don't love you or care about you, but there's probably something deeper going on in their own personal life that's causing them to behave in this way. Recently, my friend experienced that with his coworker, where his coworker came into his office and was just screaming and yelling at him. And it was so inappropriate and so awful. And he had never been treated that way by anyone in his life especially someone for whom he had done so much for and tried to help. And so he was mad. He was so pissed. And he was like, I never want to work with this person ever again. But then he stepped back. He assumed best intentions. And he thought, you know what? I think this has actually nothing to do with me whatsoever. So he gave her some time to cool down. And when he approached her, he didn't come back guns blazing, screaming, yelling. Instead, he said, you know, this is really unlike you. Tell me what's going on. It seems really different from the the type of relationship we've had. And I was wondering if there's something that's happening in your life that I can help you with. And then with that, she opened up. She shared a bunch of really vulnerable things that he hadn't known. She deeply, deeply apologized. And they were able to not just salvage their relationship, but also deepen it. It was an incredible outcome, even though you could have easily seen how that same interaction could have really ended their friendship and their working relationship. Imagine if my friend had gone in and screamed at her, and then she screamed back, and then they both said things that it would be impossible to come back from. They'd always have this horrible memory of these nasty things that they had said to each other and seeing each other screaming like that. So treat your relationships like the beautiful, precious, miraculous things that they really are and wrap them in a loving bubble of graciousness, kindness, and good intentions. You know, I think about this all the time where we're all just human. We're all just trying to live in this world. We're all just trying to make it and try to feel good and try to make a difference. And it's hard sometimes. It's hard being human and none of us are ever perfect. And so if the people who love us most cannot offer us graciousness, then what else really is there? Especially if we are learning and growing in these relationships, then we are going to stumble, right? If we're trying to become better at being in relationships, we're not always going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. So what I want to ask of you is, can you make the effort to always assume best intentions from the people you love? And can they do the same for you? Okay, so... Thank you all for listening. That's all I have for this episode. (laughs) And I'll just quickly recap what those five learnings were. One, that we are just recreating our childhood dynamics and trying our best to heal past wounds whenever we're in relationships. Two, vulnerability is not a weakness. It actually brings us closer together. Three, there are different types of relationships, including interest-based relationships and long history-based relationships, but values-based relationships are the most important ones to have with the closest people in your life. Number four, communication is an essential foundational skill for relationships, but none of us really know how to do it, so we have to put in the time to learn. And finally, number five, the best relationships bring out the best in you, and you bring out the best on the other person. And you do that by assuming best intentions from the people that you love. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And if you want to and feel comfortable doing so, I would really love it if you could share the podcast with your friends, social media. 
If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the newsletter. I love writing that thing. And I try to make every monthly newsletter really useful for the readers. So this past month, I did a book list of the 30 books broken into category that have changed my life. I hope everyone has a really abundant full moon today. And may you love yourself, listen to yourself, and say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. See you all in two weeks.